The truth is not me tenaciously trying to hold on to God lest I fall. The truth is God's eternal hands holding me up. I want to talk with you today about God's amazing love. Open your Bible to the book of 1 John chapter 4. And we're mainly going to be in that portion of Scripture, although I will ask you to turn to a couple of others. Um, 1 John chapter 4. And our passage, you know, was from verse 7 to 11. God's amazing love. Over in Central Asia, there's a country called Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan. Has anyone ever heard of it? Put up your hand. Turkmenistan. Okay, there's several. Turkmenistan. Then you will probably know that back in the 1970s, they decided they were going to drill for oil. And so in the Turkmenistan uh, uh, sands there, the desert part, they set up this giant oil rig and they started drilling away. Well, they hit an enormous pocket of natural gas and the whole rig collapsed into this gigantic crater. It left a monster big hole in the earth. And all this natural gas was um, threatening to harm the environment. And so the powers that were in control decided that they would just burn it off. And so they figured this will just take, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks. Folks, after 50 years, it's still burning. It's kind of a phenomena. It's one of the wonders of the world. And uh, hundreds of tourists every year come from all parts of the world to see this uh, amazing site. We have a picture of it. Put that up now, would you please? i give you some idea. Obviously, the picture doesn't do it justice. You'd have to be there and hear it and feel the heat and uh, get the smell of it and so on. But it does give you a, an idea, a glimpse of what's over there. And you could board a plane and go over to Turkmenistan. And yes, you can get out your camera and take pictures of this. It's been burning away since the 1970s. Imagine that. The fire cannot be put out. We can put this picture out. Please put the picture out. See? <laughs> but we can't put the fire out. It can't be put out. And there's a parallel there with the amazing love of God. It can't be put out. Some people think it can be put out. It cannot be put out. When I got reading this story uh, about the, uh, the big crater and the burning um, business there, the gases in Turkmenistan, I got thinking of the burning bush in Moses' day. Uh, bushes that would catch fire were kind of a common enough sight. You'd see them once in a while. But here was one that caught fire and would not stop burning. It wouldn't burn out. And that's what got Moses' attention. And that's when he came near to take a look. And that's when God revealed himself to Moses. Was during this great burning bush event. Now in Turk Turkmenistan, people come from all over the world to see this amazing sight. Uh, the fire draws people. They have to go and see it. 
And God's amazing love is like that. When you start to understand about God's amazing love, it draws you to God himself. It kind of pulls you in. And so today, we're going to come and take a look at God's amazing love. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we approach this amazing subject and we ask for amazing power to be able to understand. It's quite possible, Father, that some here today in the auditorium or some watching online will hear the scriptures, will hear the explanations, but they still won't get it. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help every one of us to come away today with a grander understanding of your amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Now when we talk about the love of God, there's something we have to understand that this is not just a little add-on piece to God. Many of us have these little add-ons, right? But when it comes to the love of God, there's something that you have to know. And you're in chapter 4, and I want you to look, please, at verse number 16. You'll see the Bible says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. You see that? It's part of God's nature, who He is. He is love. He did not learn love. Love is not an option or a little additive. It is a major portion of who and what God is. God is a real person. As real, as real as any of us here today. He is real. And part of his reality is his love. And he's always been that way. He didn't become loving after Jesus died on the cross. He didn't become loving after he formed the nation Israel. He didn't become loving when he formed the world and planted man and, 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 and woman in the earth. God has always been loving. But bear in mind that there's more to God than love. There's justice as well. And we must never forget that. That God is a just God. And when things get out of line, God, his sense of justice is offended and it has to be dealt with. Sin always has to be dealt with. But if it wasn't for the love of God, Folks, all we would have is a mean old man on a throne with a big long stick ready to hit us. And trust me, we'd be whacked silly long, long ago. But hallelujah for the amazing love of God. God is amazing. Now a thumbnail sketch of God's amazing love might go something like this. God's love was confirmed when he created the world and man. God's love was questioned by Satan in the Garden of Eden. God's love was chiseled on the two tables of stone when he gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. God's love was carved upon the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's love was consummated in Christ when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And God's love continues today as it is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And finally, God's love is carried to farthest corners of the world by missionary men and women. Men used to ask the question, well, what is God like? 
What is he like? What's God like? Jesus came to earth and showed us God's amazing love and compassion on people. And then Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. When we get a good look at Jesus, we get a good look at the Father. And we see that God is love. How do you describe the love of God? Well, that's a good question. There's a hymn writer by the name of F.M. Lehman. And he tried to describe the love of God when he wrote these words of a hymn. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Oh, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? That means a pen. And every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Most of us know that hymn. It's gorgeous. It is a, a heartthrob. We love it. But even that doesn't do justice to the Amazing love of God. Dr. Harry Rimmer has gone home to be with the Lord, but he was a great pastor and a writer of Christian books. And many years ago, he had a friend named Bill. Bill was a North American Indian. And Dr. Rimmer took his friend Bill to the West Coast to show him the Pacific Ocean because he'd never seen it before. His friend Bill was from a small little place in Minnesota and the largest body of water that Bill had ever seen was a small lake and so now here's Dr. Harry Rimmer taking his friend Bill to the west coast and showing him the Pacific Ocean and the look on Bill's face when he saw the Pacific Ocean he couldn't believe his own eyes and he turned to Dr. Rimmer and said what is the name of this lake? And Dr. Rimmer said, Bill, this is not a lake. This is an ocean. This is the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> there you go. How do you explain the size of the Pacific Ocean to a man who's only seen a small lake? And likewise, how do you describe the amazing love of God to someone who has only known human love. It's like that. The Apostle Paul knew something about God's amazing love. And he wanted the people, the Christians in the church of Ephesus, he wanted them to know about the amazing love of God. And so he wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 3. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you catch some important words there? Breadth length, depth, height. And then he says that this amazing love is beyond knowledge. That's why I said earlier, 
you'll go your whole lifetime and you will not plumb the depths of God's love. It is absolutely, unbelievably good. There's a story about a martyr for the Lord Jesus. He gave his life. He was killed back in the Middle Ages. They arrested him. His crime was for preaching the Lord Jesus. And he was arrested, put on trial. And he was sitting in his prison cell awaiting his death sentence. He noticed that the window in his prison cell was in the form of a cross. That was the window. And as he started looking at this window and the shape of the window, he thought of the cross upon which his Savior died for him. And so he, he reached around, he found himself a stone on the ground there in his prison cell. And over top of the window, he wrote the word height. And below the window, he wrote the word depth. And to the left-hand side of the window, he wrote the word breadth. And to the right-hand side of the window, he wrote the word length. And what he did was, he illustrated what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3. The great, unbelievable, amazing love of God. And so as far as we are concerned here on earth, the love of God appears to have three aspects to it. Number one, God's amazing love comes to us. We don't go out looking for it. It comes to us. Now with your Bible open at 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 9 and 10. But this was manifest, sorry, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation, don't let that scare you. That word means a payment or a satisfaction. Remember, God is love, but he's also just, and sin must be dealt with. And so God came up with the solution himself. And that's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus was the propitiation, the satisfaction. So when God looks upon Jesus, he is satisfied. Now here's the question, are you in Jesus or not? If you're outside of Jesus... You have the wrath of God abiding upon you. And that, my friend, is scary, but it is the truth. If you are in the Lord Jesus, there's no wrath. God is satisfied. See, this is the amazing love of God. Are you beginning to realize that this swimming pool doesn't seem to have a bottom? (laughs) It's deep, folks. The amazing love of God. When Adam sinned, He took off, hid himself amongst the trees, him and Eve. What did God do? God, God's amazing love, came looking for Adam. That's how it works. God is love. Amazing love. And likewise, God comes looking for us. God comes looking for us in different ways. But he's going to give us a chance. Every human being has an opportunity 
to turn to God. Many people are satisfied with little idols that they put up on their this shelf or on the mantelpiece over their fireplace. They burn incense to them. That sort of thing is happening wholesale throughout the, uh, uh, the greater Vancouver area here. Uh, there are tens of thousands, possibly, I could be wrong, hundreds of thousands of people. Because in Surrey alone we have 650,000 people. And we've got people from all over the world. And praise the Lord, we do. We're very multicultural here. Look at our church. We're very multicultural. Wait till you get home to heaven. If you want to see multicultural, in heaven there's going to be born again men and women from all of the countries, from all over the world. There's some 200 different countries, nationalities worldwide. There will be people from all over the world in heaven. As God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, the love of God seeks us out. Are you familiar with John 3.16? Can you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the everlasting life is in contrast to the perishing. The word perish doesn't mean that you just vanish and you're, that's the end of you. The word perish means an eternal destruction in a place called hell. But God is love. You see, what we have in that verse there, God so loved that he made the world. That's why he made the world. Because of his love. God so loved that he gave the whole world a gift. That gift is his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God so loved that Jesus paid for your debt of sin. And make no mistake, every one of us has a sin debt that we owe to God. And God so loved that Jesus forgave you your sin debt when you come to Him by faith. And we'll describe that a little more in just a moment. Charles Gabriel is with the Lord now, born in 1856. Died in 1932. And in his 76 short years, he was able to write over 8,000 gospel songs and hymns. A number of which we have in our hymn book. One of the hymns he wrote goes like this. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, in grace he lifted me. From sinking sand he lifted me. With tender hand he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. Well, that's what happens when you come to Jesus Christ by faith. You might be wondering, Pastor, why are you singing? 
It's because in the last couple of years, I've noticed my voice is getting worse. And so before I lose it completely, I want to use, use it. It's like giving. Do your giving while you're living. Then you're knowing where it's going. Yeah. You know, the Lord Jesus was the embodiment of God's love for mankind. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is that, hey, we got faults. We all have faults. Some of them are pretty bad faults, but we all have them. But here's the truth. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. I need a Savior. Without a Savior, I can't get to heaven. Without a Savior, I can't make it in life. Sin has crippled me. Sin has decimated me. Sin has popped my balloon. Sin has done a number, a deceiving number on me. And I speak for all of us. That's why we need the love of God. And God's love came toward us. If you're saved on your way to heaven, it's because God took the initiative and he came to you. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's the door of your heart. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. The Lord is no respecter of persons. There's not a human being that has ever lived or ever will live that God is not aware of and that God does not love and for whom Christ did not die because God loves all people and Christ died for all people. But unfortunately, not all people love God. Not all people are going to want to come to Jesus. That's just the way it is. But listen, once this amazing love of God has found us, because remember, point number one, it comes to us. It, it doesn't stop there. Oh no, it just gets better. Point number two is God's amazing love burns in us. God's amazing love comes to us, and if we receive it, now God's amazing love will burn in us. Chapter 4 of 1 John Take a look, please, at verse number 11. Read it out loud together with me, please. Let's go. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. There's that same love of God that came to us, knocked on our heart's door. We said, yes, Lord Jesus. We opened our heart's door. Christ came in and he brought the love of God with him. Now we need to let that love burn. We need to do all we can to stoke those fires. We ought to love one another. The word ought is something that you owe. It's like a debt. You go and buy something with your MasterCard, your Visa, whatever. And yes, you get to bring that thing home. But you, now you owe it. You owe. You seen that bumper sticker? I owe. I owe. It's off to work I go. You ever seen that? I thought that was so cute. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Seven hands. Well, Disney was famous when they came out with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And the little Seven Dwarfs used to say, Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off. Okay, now you know. You and I, 
if we're saved, born again, part of God's family, we have a debt now to let this great, amazing love of God burn in us toward others. You cannot afford to hate someone. I'll tell you what, hate is so self-destructive. I think it'll kill you faster than drugs or alcohol. Hate turns into bitterness overnight. And sometimes, you know, the hate is so strong that we just hate that person and it could be a member of your own family. I just hate him. What do you hate him for? Well, I forget now, but it was something bad. I just hate him and I'm never going to talk to them again, even if they came up and asked my forgiveness. And there are so many people consumed with that kind of feeling and that's wrong. You know, that's, that's really sin. And the, it... it Pardon me for saying it this way, but it stinks, it stinks the most inside of a Christian. Unsaved people, people who are not born again, that's what they are. They love, they hate, they lust, they greed, that's what they are. But we who are born again and have Jesus Christ within our hearts, he brought with him the great amazing love of God. And now we are to let that amazing love of God take over. There's a little chorus we used to sing years ago. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. You know, old time religion. Remember that? It was good enough. You know, it was good enough for me. No. Okay. That's all right. I'm a solo singer today. Take your Bible and turn to the left. Keep your place there in 1 John. We'll be back. But turn to the left to Romans chapter number 8. This ought to bring a tear to your eye, or maybe someone's eye today. But I want to show you something that has to do with this great love of God. And here we, we have it in Romans chapter 8. You know, before we look at the verses, this is something what I'm about to tell you. There's something very true. It happens over and over again. Two people, young or old, two people stand together to be married and they'll look each other in the eye and they'll make vows and promises. They'll shed tears. They'll share a, a kiss, a tender moment. Someone will pronounce them husband and wife. They'll have made vows. Usually they make the vow. Not always, but usually they'll make vows till death do us part. But it ain't always that way, is it? In reality... After about a year, the warts and the pimples and the wrinkles and the gray hair start to come out. And then you get two people who at one time would lay their life down for each other. Now they're looking at each other, you know, with cold daggers. Now the feelings aren't the same. Now they are starting to look around for someone new. Now they can even hate and despise each other. It may take more than a year. It may take a few years. But you know what I'm talking about. We see these stories played in the, in the Hollywood newspapers all the time. You know, a star and a starlet. They got everything going for them. They, they look so perfect. They're wealthy. They're so loved. They're so successful. And they'll marry. And the next year, it comes out. He's having affairs. She's having affairs. They hate each other. There's a messy divorce. And then they'll run and do it again. 
And some of those stars and starlets have been married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced, 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 down the aisle, through the door, out onto the street. That's the world for you. Hollywood epitomizes what the world is all about. By the way, so did Sodom and Gomorrah. But we have a heavenly father who's not like that. That when he gives us his love, when that love comes within us, nothing's going to change it. Nothing is going to take it away. You see, two people coming to get married, they don't really know each other until they start living together and they don't know what's going to happen 10 years down the road, 40 years down the road, yesterday, one of the couples that attend our church, I think they're watching online right now, they just, on the 20th of April, celebrated 49 years of marriage. So they're this close to 50. <laughs> but they wanted to come and pray with me and ask me to pray and that God would continue to bless their marriage. They wanted to honor God. And so in my office, we did that, the three of us. And we prayed. We had such a sweet, wonderful time. But there is an example of a, a Christian man and woman. And God has kept them together. Through thick and thin, up and down, right, left, you know, forward, behind, all of the things of life. And they love each other and they're stronger today than ever. To the glory of God. If people can do that, why can't God? God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going to be like next week, next year. Some of us change, right? All of us. And God knows that. And when He comes into our heart and our life, He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. And this is good news. Now, you're in Romans chapter 8. Follow with me. I'll read from verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us... Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That's us, folks. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, it is risen again, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. There's a full-time job of Jesus, keeping us in good relation with the Father. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Some days that's what it feels like. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that, what's that next word? Loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whew. God's love for you is not performance-based. You don't have to maintain certain things in order to maintain God's love. You can, and I hope you never do, but you can foul up royally. 
And God still loves you because you have received his son. If you've never received his son, you are in trouble, my friend. But if you have received his son, you have his undying eternal love. God will shed tears for your creepy things and your foul ups and things like that. It'll break his heart. But he loves you and he's willing to forgive you. I'm telling you, even your own mother and father, it's possible for them to reject you. But God will never, he will never, ever reject you if you're in Christ. Story of a little game of peewee, peewee softball. Little, little wee kids playing peewee softball. The big hats and big gloves, you know. And they're out there trying to, trying to play. And all the parents are in the stands. Hey, go get them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so this one little boy, he was out there with his big glove on. Another little boy held the bat. Another little boy threw the ball. The boy with the bat swung. By some miracle, he hit the ball. The ball went right toward this little boy. The boy's father stood up and said, Catch it, son! Catch it! Catch it! You can do it! Get it, boy! And that boy, he tried, he tried, and the ball hit between his, his feet. Right at that instant, the boy looked up at his daddy, and his daddy says, You dummy! And the boy bowed his head and started to weep. If he had caught the ball, he would have been the hero. He missed the ball. Now he's the dummy. God will never call you a dummy. You miss the ball. You might say, Pastor, I've missed the ball so many times. Can he still love me? It's amazing. But he does. His love hasn't changed. It hasn't dropped one iota. If you were the only lost sinner in the world, He still would have sent His only begotten Son to die just for you. That's how much He loves you. You've heard the little question. I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? Jesus said this much and he opened wide his arms and died for me on the cross. Ah, the amazing love of God. Nothing shall separate us from it. No devil, no world, not even my faults. Nothing. He loves us still. No accusation against me can ever stand. No proven evidence. Imagine that. Proven evidence will sway his heart of love toward me. Nor can time cool or quench his marvelous love that he has for me. Why? Because it's amazing. God's amazing love. And now I find my heart more in love with God now than ever before, ever, ever in my life. When I realize that he knows all about me, my ups and downs, my good points and my creepy points, and he loves me still. And he takes me to his bosom and calls me his own. I love him more than ever before. 
I was saved back in 1975 and I was told by numerous people, you can lose your salvation if you're not careful. And I understand they were only meaning well. I understand that, but that threatened me for two years. The first two years of my Christian life, I really didn't know the peace of God. Always fearing that I was going to foul up and lose my salvation. But then I was challenged to start really reading the Bible. What does God really have to say on the matter? And yes, there's a couple verses that appear to say that if you foul up, you're out. Strike three, you're gone. But if you look more carefully at those verses and the context... They cleared themselves up. The truth is not me tenaciously trying to hold on to God lest I fall. The truth is God's eternal hands holding me up. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him in his hands. That's the truth. That's the amazing love of God. Oh, listen, if you are saved and you have trouble with the assurance of your salvation, you need to, to know God has no trouble. He's very sure. Oh, listen, there are more things we could say, but we have to move on. You see, God's amazing love has found us. Point one, God's amazing love is burning within us. But point number three, God's amazing love now flows through us. Flows through us. At least this is what God wants it to do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We can love others. We have the ability to love others. Pastor, I know I'm saved, but that man, that woman, I don't think I can ever love them. Oh, that's too bad. Because you're wrong. You can. Well, let me rephrase that. You can't, but God can. That's a better way to put it. If you will surrender that. I know that that person, that man, woman, be it a husband, a, a wife, a father, a mother, a son or daughter. I know that that person has hurt you deeply. And you might think you'll never recover. But if you will cast your care into his hands, he will care for you. If you will do it his way, you'll be able to sleep at night. You'll overcome the evil. You will be more than conqueror. You'll be able to love that person. And it really won't be you. It'll be God doing it through you. Because that's what God wants. Every one of us have broken God's laws and we've done it willfully, spitefully. How does that make God feel? And yet God is there willing to love and forgive. But I'm not God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing you're not God. We'd all be in trouble if you or I were God. We'd mess it up. But God is God. And God in you has the power to love that unlovable person. If you'll do it God's way. You know, Jesus said something amazing. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. The love doesn't stop at the door of the church, folks. 
Oh, we get to hate this person, hate that, hate the government, hate everything, come in to the church. Ah, oh, now we can love. It's not that way. The love of Christ comes in us. Then we walk out the doors of the church and we express that love of God to others all around us. And I'll tell you what, there are more people than ever that are leaving quote-unquote Christianity because they see the hypocrisy, they see the lies, they see the, the goody two-shoes on Sunday morning and living like the devil on Monday morning. They see that. And that, that's enough to make anyone get sick. What they see in church on Sunday is what they ought to see at work on Tuesday. Amen? That's what it ought to be. It's not always that way. And sometimes I understand. Sometimes that you get false professions. You get people who say they're Christians, but they're not. And so they're just, you know, their halo is, fits just right there on a Sunday. But boy, on a Monday, they can turn the air blue. How can that be? Maybe they were never saved in the first place. Maybe they were never born again. They've never really experienced the love of God in Christ. Because I'm telling you, that changes people. I'll let you in on a little secret. Before I became a Christian, in April the 6th, 1975, is when I re repented of my sins and trusted Christ. 48 years ago. Before that, you would not have liked me. You would not have wanted me as a friend. I don't know if any of you still do. But back then, I know for sure, I'm guaranteed, you would not have wanted me around you. I was just a messed up person. And I had a habit of bringing people down around me. But the love of God found me. Knocked on my door. I said, come in. And changed me. And that's what the love of God does. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. If you are saved and born again and you have the love of Christ in you, are you letting that flow out of you now? You are to receive in order to give. That's what a sponge does, right? You know what a sponge at the kitchen sink? And with the sponge you soak up water and then you squeeze it over the sink or something. It's, it, it sucks it up and spits it out. And likewise, we're a conduit of God's amazing love. We take it in and we give it out. Those people you have trouble loving, why don't you ask God to help you? God, help me to love that woman. Help me to love that man. Help me to love these kids. Help me to love my parents. A lot of people have a lot of problems with their own parents. There's no perfect parents. Join the club. That's why we need the love of God to be able to look past the fault and see the need. It's very important that God's love flows through us. And by the way, this is one of the best ways to know if you're born again, if you're a child of God. Do you have a longing desire for others to come to know Christ so that they do not die and go to hell? They do not perish. Do you have a longing in your heart for unsaved people? That is one of the best evidences that you're born again and you're walking with the Lord. If you have very little desire to see people saved, where is the love of God that found you? Imagine if others felt that way about you. Not so good, is it? 
So many people in this world are totally unloved and uncared for, and we have that opportunity to meet that need. Listen, we've got to finish up here. In the news this past week, they talk about the death of Dr. Charles Stanley, very popular TV, radio, internet, Christian pastor. You know, I've spoken to a bunch of people. Have you, Pastor, have you heard that Dr. Stanley is pastor? Yeah, I heard, I saw in the news. Well, did you know that another godly Christian man, Ron Hamilton, passed away and went to be with the Lord? Ron Hamilton. Who's Ron Hamilton? Who's Ron Hamilton? He's the guy that wrote a lot of amazing Christian songs and had amazing ministry with children and adults alike. And he died. He was in his mid to late 70s. He went home to be with the Lord. A song that he wrote that a lot of Christians know. They didn't know that Ron Hamilton wrote it. I saw Jesus in you. What a wonderful hymn. I'm not going to spoil the hymn by trying to sing it. But what a wonderful message in song. I saw Jesus in you. Is that what your next door neighbor can say? How about the people you work with? Can they see Jesus in you? Or do they just see you? I'll tell you a little story and we're going to finish. There's a story about an 80-year-old man that was sitting on the sofa with his 45-year-old son. His son was highly educated, went to college, got numerous degrees, very intelligent man. He's sitting there with his son. Father lived in a house in the country. On the windowsill, all of a sudden, a crow came and sat on the windowsill. His father looked at that and said to his son, what is it? And his son said, oh, dad, it's just a crow. His father was silent for a moment and said, son, what is it? Dad, I told you, it's a crow. A moment later, dad said, son, what is it? Now, dad... You, you know what that is. That is a crow. It's a bird. It's a crow. Oh. Son, what is that? Now the 45-year-old, highly educated, intelligent man started getting animated and upset and aggravated with his father and said, Dad, you're, this is th- that you know that's a crow. That is a crow. C-R-O-W. Crow. You know that. You know that. I know you know that. That's a crow. Now don't make me angry. And his father said, Oh, okay. And his 80-year-old father slowly got up from the sofa, walked into his room, his bedroom, and a moment later came out with an old book. It was a diary. And he came and he sat down beside his 45-year-old son and he opened this diary, old diary that his father had written. And, And in there, his son read the words, Today, my little son, aged three, was sitting with me on the sofa when a crow was sitting on the window. My son asked me, 23 times what it was. 
And I replied to him 23 times that it was a crow. I hugged him lovingly each time. He asked me the same question again and again for 23 times. I do not feel irritated. I rather felt affection for my innocent child. The amazing love that God has for you. When you slip up, when you fall flat on your beak, and God loves you still. That love came to you, knocked on your heart's door. And if you repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that amazing love came into you and began to burn. And by the way, how's it burning these days? Like that crater over in Central Asia, is it still on fire, burning? Is it attracting others? Have you seen this? Do you know this? They are amazing. Can the people around you sing the song, I saw Jesus in you? But listen, most important, are you really letting that love flow out through you? Are you doing what you can to help others come to know Jesus as Savior? In a couple of weeks, we have Soul Winners Academy. How many of you will come? How many of you will say, that's not for me? How many of you say, well, I'm not a soul winner? How many of you say, well, I've got more important things to do? How many of you will come? What about worldwide missions? How many of us are involved giving a little extra above and beyond our regular tithes so that we can support more missionaries to take the glorious gospel around the world? Well, you have to understand that finances are tight. Talk to God about that. God owns all the gold and silver and the cattle on a thousand hills. And he's promised to look after us if we will look after his interests. I want to encourage you. The amazing love of God. Let it flow through you today. Bow your head with me in prayer, please. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.